Hi, Lauren. Hi, Sam. Are you ready to talk about The Bodyguard? I am, because after all, we are the watchers of movies. sleepy I like last night was um I went to bed at like midnight because I was just like I was just lying there and I I don't know if this happens to you but when I'm like lying um on my couch for a while I start to get like really antsy and I feel like my legs are like getting like twitchy and I know that I need to like get up and do something or like go to bed so I was starting to feel like that. And I'm like, well, it's midnight, you know, I'm like, I'm tired. I might as well just go sleep. And, um, but I was like tossing and turning to like three in the morning. And so then I got up and I took like melatonin and like a sleeping pill and I went on the couch and I passed out until about eight in the morning. So that at least I did good nice. sleep then. Yeah. And then I like, I like collected all my stuff and like, cause I have a lot of pillows and I like to my bed, but then I couldn't sleep again. And I'm like, but I'm like, I need to sleep more because I still have this sleeping pill in my body. You know what I mean? And, um, and it was like being like, it was like, my body was like a toddler. My, my body's like, I have to go in the bathroom. I'm hungry. And I'm like, can you just, can you just be quiet so I can sleep for five minutes, please? And then my body's like, no <laughs> I was like fine we'll get up and we'll eat we'll go to the bathroom okay and so I did and then I slept more but, oh well that's good yeah Do you get but, crazy dreams when you take melatonin I did have some weird dreams last night I did I had like a dream where my parents were like because I for some reason have been having a lot of like stress dreams with my parents where they were raising or like growing or something like these insects and I I don't really know what kind they were but they were like these black little flying insects Ooh. and um little bugs yeah and but they were like big they were like two or three inches so and and I was like why are you guys doing this can you please just like you know like get rid of these bugs because they're in the house like they were like flying around the house it was like buffalo oh, bill from silence of the lambs that's what i, I just thought of <laughs> yeah. and i was like getting bit by them too because i'm oh my gosh yeah i know like it was this terrible dream and they were just like no this is what we do for a living and i'm like how are you making money off of this <laughs> it sounded like they were very successful and you were trying to ruin it for them <laughs> That's what it sounded like to me. Their business. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mike so, said when he know. takes when he takes melatonin, he has like terrible nightmares. And he's told me them before and they sound terrifying. So he gave me some. Like he's like my melatonin dealer. And he said, take some of this and tell me if you have weird dreams. So I took some one night and I didn't have a scary dream, but I had a weird, like very detailed and accurate dream like down to the minutest detail but it wasn't scary at all thankfully right but then i have another friend who said like she's taken melatonin before and she's w like woken up screaming because she was having a nightmare really yeah yeah i've never had it to that extent where i really even noticed that i had more 
dreams or weirder dreams when I had melatonin or not. So yeah, when I was injured, like when I had my leg injury two years ago or in 2019, uh, and I could, I could not sleep. I was too afraid to take melatonin. So I just took like a regular over the counter chemical sleeping aid and that was fine. And that was awesome. But yeah, no, I, I, I don't want to mess with melatonin because I've heard people say like they've had nightmares. So that's so weird because melatonin is like a natural thing that like your body produces. Yeah. But I mean, like food can cause weird dreams and stuff. Like that's true. And coffee can make you act weird. So I don't think that that's out of the ordinary, you know? Yeah, that's true. That's yeah. True. That's true. Interesting. I I'm glad you didn't have any nightmares though. That does sound like a weird, actually that kind of sounds nightmarish, like bugs was, all over. <laughs> it was a little nightmarish. It yeah. Was, like they were everywhere. Like I was sitting on the couch and like one like landed near me and I started like screaming. Cause I don't, oh I don't gosh. like bugs. Yeah, like, I no, don't like I don't like bugs, bugs. either. <laughs> and I like started screaming and I'm like trying to swat it away. And they're like, don't touch it. Don't hurt it. And I was like, this shouldn't be in our house. <laughs> Your parents are just trying to make a little money on the side. Let them do it. Just let them live, man. <laughs> Keep having- no, that sounds bad. I wouldn't like that. Yeah, <laughs> when, no, it's bizarre. Do you ever have dreams? Here's the thing about dreams. Whenever I hear somebody say they don't like hearing other people's dreams, internally, I go, what? Because I love hearing people's dreams because I think it's amazing what your brain cooks up. Like my brain created this ridiculous parallel universe. Anyway, when Stella was alive and even now, actually, I've had dreams where like things were after her. And like more recently, I've had like stressful dreams involving her like being sick. And I think that's just like a a hangover from like having to put her down you know but like right she's always in danger not always sometimes I have fine dreams with her in them but usually she's in danger and I have to like protect her do you have those kind of dreams about bear um no not well maybe I can't really think of any but that does seem like something I would have it would either be like someone was trying to take him away from me or like I've been reading stuff on Reddit where people are like, like, am I the asshole for not wanting to get rid of my dog? Cause I love like the subreddit. Am I the asshole? And, um, one of them, and, and I've seen a bunch of them where they're like, my girlfriend and I want to move in together, but she says that I have to get rid of my dog. And I'm like, if someone was like in order for us to be together, you have to get rid of your cat. I'd be like, then we're not going to be together because you're not going to take away something I love. Like, yeah. That's- going to lead to a lot of resentment and anger from me down the road and I'm going to really hate you at the end you know I think that's really weird if you hate a certain animal that much you shouldn't just just don't start a relationship with somebody who has one because unless you're willing to like concede that okay I can grow to like this dog or I can tolerate living with this dog you know like unless you're willing to because that's almost like I, I, I'm on the fence about people like comparing animals to their children. Like that's not something that I like subscribe to, but it's very similar to having someone with children because you wouldn't ask someone to get rid of their children. Like this is a living, a living thing. You know, it's not like, 
it's not like he has a collection of minivans and you're like, I need you to get rid of some of your minivans. You know, it's a living, it's a living thing. And right. uh, so, yeah, that's not, that's not cool. I, d- I don't know. That's, that seems really like controlling and probably like a red flag in the relationship. I would think, I think so too. Big time. Cause I, mean, I don't, it- I honestly don't think that I would date somebody who had like exotic spiders, like a tarantula no. or something. I, I think that I would probably, I mean, I think I probably would be, would be too uncomfortable, like going to their house all the time. And I think right. there would just like a relationship wouldn't grow. I don't know. I've never actually, th- I've never actually thought about it, but I would never imagine telling someone to get rid of something like that, you know? Yeah. Well, <clears throat> it's one thing if you like, it, it would be one thing if you get into the relationship and they're like, Hey, I'm thinking about getting like. 12 tarantulas and you're like dude i really don't like spiders maybe something fluffy like a puppy you know <laughs> like but um i could understand being like i i i understand where you're coming from but that's terrifying to me and i i don't i can't handle that uh but like yeah to something to come in oh speaking of a little kinny I don't know if you heard him meow, but I didn't. I saw your gaze <laughs> flick over, so I assumed he was like hopping up. But yeah, Lauren, I'm gonna need you to get rid of your cat for this podcast. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I feel bad no. even saying that. Like I feel bad even joking about that. <laughs> I know. Oh, let's get you all tucked in, kitty. No, he's like he. The other day was trying to cuddle with me, but I was like at an angle where he like couldn't quite get cuddly, and so he was sitting away from me like all like mad because he couldn't cuddle up to me <laughs> like his little butt to me instead <laughs> it was really cute <laughs> but uh he he just like whenever I'm on the computer he's like oh I will also need to be on the computer <laughs> so it's really cute he just wants to he just wants to work he does yeah he's, he just to tap he, his little paws he actually types a transcript of every podcast. Uh, yeah, he so does. People don't He's realize this, talented. but he works very hard behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah. For our show to make it what it is. Yep. Yeah. Yes, he does. Our he really does. podcast. Our podcast. <laughs> our podcast. <laughs> That's a double pun. <laughs> so if, if you're playing pun bingo, cross <laughs> off the free space, cross off the two that I made, and you're, you almost got a bingo. Yeah. There's two more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a bingo. <laughs> <laughs> you just say bingo. <laughs> Was too perfect. I just saw I saw a memory on Facebook and a year ago, like right around this time, we recorded our Inglorious Bastards episode. Oh my god, has it really been that long? And the thing is, we recorded it, the three of us sitting on my sofa because oh my the world god, was right. we were so innocent. We had no idea. <laughs> Remember those days? And now we're doing it through Zoom and we've been doing it through Zoom for the last like almost a year right? yeah i mean yeah. in the summer we had some nice interludes at your parents house on their beautiful deck but yeah otherwise we've been doing it via zoom yeah. So, that's crazy yeah wow. yeah i can't wait i mean this is the understatement of the year but i just i can't wait for things to calm down and i think it seems like we're trending in the right direction so i, so I, I feel very hopeful that the future, maybe not the near future, but the future later this year, there might be like some 
awesome things. And Mike and I speculated last year, like when the pandemic was sort of in full swing and we were talking about how exciting and how good it will feel to go to like the first baseball game or something, you know, like, (laughs) or just a restaurant. Like I know we're allowed to go to restaurants now, but I'm sort of avoiding crowds and, and so it's just not the same. Like I don't feel comfortable going to restaurants right now, but just like just doing things is going to feel so magical. And I'm really excited for that feeling. Just like going to the movie theater is going to be like, yeah, that's something I really miss as well. What a novel idea. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So we are doing this week. We are doing since this month is so short. um, We're doing black history, honorable, honorable mentions as far as like some of our favorite films uh, or I have a TV show written down here. So what would you like to go first or you want me to go first? You can go first. Okay. So I, the first one I did was, and I feel like this is appropriate because of the, who's in the bodyguard, but I did Cinderella with Brandy okay, and Whitney Houston <laughs> because I love that movie um, so much. And it's just really fun, and I love the music in it, and yeah, so that's mine. That's I've never one. seen that. I've never seen it. It's cute. It's very cute. It's very like, um, I mean, it's it's cheesy. It's it, you know, it's it's a musical, but it's like, it's fun. You might like it. You might enjoy it. I have it. If you ever want to watch it, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you don't, that's cool. I don't. Doesn't affect me none. Right now, I don't think I'll I'll watch it anytime <laughs> soon. But if I do want to watch it, I'll let you know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You're like, um, no, I don't think so. <laughs> like that's fine. It's all good. <laughs> so, what is yours? Well, I have one that uh, I thought was a really good movie. It was Black the Black Klansman. Okay, I've never even yeah. I. I think I've heard of it, but I don't think I've ever seen it. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. It's based on a true story. In the 70s, a man named Ron Stallworth uh, infiltrated the the local KKK in Colorado Springs. And he started by calling, I think he called the Grand Wizard on the phone and pretended to be a white supremacist. But then in order to join the KKK, he had a partner who was white, who sort of was like the physical infiltration and it was it's a really good movie and it's a very interesting story i've heard i heard his story and i thought it was on this american life but it might have been on a different npr show i can't remember but i heard the true story of what happened there and it's just really fascinating it's a great movie and it was directed by spike lee it came out in 2018 and it's it's a really good movie so it's really like recent Mm -hmm. i'm like looking it up right now let me see yeah adam driver is in it and then the main guy is john david washington who uh did a really good job in this movie and i think that's the first thing i ever saw him in oh interesting that does sound interesting kind of want to see it yeah it's good it's worth watching it's very like it's it's very eye-opening and it's very sad in just in regards to just like the KKK and the racism. It's it's just, I can't believe it, you know. I can't believe 
stuff like that exists even today. I mean, this movie takes place in the 70s, but I, the KKK is still a thing and it's just, it's, it's sad, but it's a really good movie. It's really cool the way they infiltrated. Yeah, yeah, that sounds interesting. It sounds like I should check that out at some yeah. point. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. Cool. Well, my next one is Beasts of the Southern Wild. Oh, yeah, that is a good movie. Yeah. Uh, Quaventione Wallace is the little girl in it. And um, it's a very, like, it's, a, have you seen it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a little, like, it's kind of unsettling in certain ways. Like, I guess that's the best way to describe it because of how, you know, her, her dad's really, like, kind of just kind of a piece of shit. And he doesn't, he's not very, um, like, nice to her, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's it's very, it's tense for what this little girl is experiencing and just like the world around her and and you just want to like protect her and keep her safe you know she's so small and it's it's a tense movie but i really i liked it i thought it was good yeah it has sort of a dreamlike quality to it yeah yeah and i like that you want to protect her but then it becomes very apparent that she's quite capable of taking care of herself and that's kind of its own sort of sadness that she's so little and she has to yeah. be so independent yeah, she had, like, her own little house mm-hmm. and everything. Yeah. Yeah, they lived in, like, this area outside of New Orleans that was kind of swampy, that was kind of, like, I guess, like, a shanty town almost that yeah. was pretty much destroyed after Hurricane Katrina. Am I correct? Is that I So I hadn't seen the movie in a long time, so I had to look it up to kind of remind myself. Um, but I think it was something like it was supposed to be like a subtle post-apocalyptic type film so i don't i don't know if i think that's what it was but that's kind of what i assume too is that it was after a hurricane mm-hmm. so they don't they don't really get into it it's not like it's not ever you know like fully discussed it's just kind of this girl living with her dad and she's this little you know i mean it's it's essentially through the eyes of a child who's like probably 10 or 12 you know mm-hmm. yeah yeah, yeah. And I think the little girl, Quivengene, was picked like off the street. Or I, I think she went to auditions, but she wasn't like an actress. Uh-huh. Yeah. And she yeah. was nominated for an Oscar. I she's think. very she was very good. For a Golden Globe. She was nominated for something. So she's yeah. Yeah. It was a good movie. I would recommend it. Yeah. And then she was in that um Annie reboot. Was, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, I never Jamie saw Fox. that one. I never it was saw okay. That one. It was okay. That's kind of what I, I, the impression I got, and I, I really like the original, so I was kind of like, I don't know if I really want to see the remake, you know, because it's like, first of all, you can't come up with anything original. <laughs> Secondly, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it, it's, it's like, it would just be nice to see something new and different instead of like the same old repeated regurgitated shit that we always see, you know? It's like, I don't want to... I don't have to see a remake of this film. You can make something that's totally different and you could like have inspired by Annie, but I don't know. To me, I was just, I, it didn't, it it wasn't, it it didn't appeal to me. And especially casting Cameron Diaz as Miss Hannigan. I was like, I mean, come on, (laughs) you know, like I was, uh, so who was the original actress 
I've never seen the original. Oh, you've never seen the original? Shit, dude, mm. you're missing out. It's a great film. I don't, I'm not like a, I'm not, as I get older, I've come to terms with the fact that I'm not super into musicals. I love the sound of music, but I grew up with it. Yeah. But I'm not like, I don't gravitate towards musicals. I'm just, they're just not my thing. I didn't even know, I'm, I don't know why I didn't know this, but I didn't know that Annie was a movie i thought it was just a broadway show and really then, it's with yeah. like um it's with like tim curry and bernadette peters and really um, and uh albert finney is miss is daddy warbucks um carol burnett that's miss hannigan She's oh okay amazing as miss hannigan and i always loved her performance um she's so like She's just like this drunk and she's running around like little girls, little girls everywhere. <laughs> and she's she's great. So um yeah, it's I mean it's a very like it's it's got a great cast. I would highly, highly recommend the nineteen eighty two Annie. It's it's who very played good. Annie? Anybody I would know? Uh Aileen Quinn. Mm. I don't know her either. I don't know. I feel like I have to tell you this because I'm looking at this one movie called The Frog Prince, and there and <laughs> there's a movie, I think, <laughs> like this is something I'd seen when I was a kid multiple times. I'm pretty sure there was a movie with Robin Williams in it when he was like really young, probably like 25 or something, where he was uh, the Frog Prince. And when my sister and I were little, we called it the frog prince in the naked butt because you see his butt <laughs> at one point. And I've thought about this movie over the years, but as I, the more I think about it, the more I'm convinced that it actually never existed. Really? Yeah. Have you asked your sister about it? I, I never have. I mean, I guess I could just look up IMDb and I'm going to do that right now. <laughs> like I... I just get like convinced where I'm like, did that ever even happen? I was like, was this real? Let's see, the frog print or something. It was called something like that. And it had this one actress in it who, hold on one second. God, he was in so much stuff. Yes. Okay. It was fairy tale theater is what the tv series was called and he was in an episode called the frog prince wow so and it did exist yeah so shelly duvall was the host of it oh, i'm trying to think of the actress in it. the actress is like a, a famous actress and i'm, I'm like she's blonde this isn't gonna help you at all so i'm not even gonna yeah like all these oh my god like malcolm mcdowell mick jagger jeff bridges was in this Sophia Coppola, um, Ed Begley Jr., Paul Rubens, Eric Idle, like all these famous actors were in this. Wow. Okay, so I didn't make it up. Vincent Price was a narrator at one point. Oh my God. I think that she may have, I think, I want to say that Shelley Duvall may be like created it or something. I read it, I read an article about her like the other day because she kind of had a breakdown like a kind of a public breakdown and she had like after like the shining she wasn't in a lot of stuff she kind of disappeared for a bit for like a long time anyway that's that's kind of it but like 
yeah, that's interesting. That's so cool. Yeah, it's real. Your memory is real. You can find that somewhere. Oh man, I bet I would love to watch it. Just like in general, the frog prince and the naked butt. <laughs> so anyway, sounds like a better movie. <laughs> okay, are you ready to keep going? <laughs> What's your yes. next one? <laughs> uh, my next one is Dave Chappelle's Black Party. Okay, which uh, was directed by Michelle Gondry actually, and. It's an interesting, it's a really good movie. It's a documentary about this uh, street concert that he threw in 2004. And I went to see it by myself because I was a Michelle Gondry fan and I liked Dave Chappelle. And it opened my eyes to um, music that I normally didn't gravitate towards. I was more into like punk rock. And this movie was like about hip hop. And it put like... Erica Badu on my radar and I thought she was oh, yeah. so cool and Mos Def isn't it and I've always liked Mos Def Me and uh, like the Fugees which I, I knew who the Fugees were but it was just it was I don't know it's just a really cool movie and it's I want to say it's very candid but you never know what's scripted and what's not when it comes to something like this but it very it feels very candid right and Dave Chappelle is sort of like the MC through the whole thing. And there's a lot of like New York flair. It feels very like you're on the streets of New York. You know, it's, it's, it's just a cool movie. I, I don't know. I haven't watched it in a long time, but I'm kind of feeling like I kind of want to put it on again. It's a concert movie. So there's a lot of like musical acts, but um, right. I don't know. It was it's a movie that I think is worth watching if you, especially if you are interested in documentaries and interested in concerts, music, or, you know. Right. Yeah. yeah. That sounds interesting. Mm-hmm. That sounds interesting. I like it. Um, my next one is Kinky Boots. <laughs> <laughs> Kinky Boots. Have you ever seen that movie? No. It's really cute. Chiwetel Ejiofor plays a drag queen named Lola who hires a uh, shoemaker to make him a pair of boots and the the shoemaker is played by Joel Edgerton and like at first Joel Edgerton makes like these kind of like just you know like they're they're fine like they're they're not really sexy they're kind of like this boring like reddish color like deep reddish color And there is this monologue that Lola says that is like, is so good and so intense. And I would recommend anyone listen to it because it's like, if you look up, like, I think you should, if you, you look up like the color red monologue in Kinky Boots, you could probably find it on YouTube, but he's, he's like, he's like red, the color of hatred and love and sex. And it's so good. And it's so intense. And it's, it's just a fun, like, it's just a fun movie. And I, I would, I would highly recommend it. It's adorable. Yeah. You sent me a clip of the, that monologue. Yeah. It's yeah. good. Right. <laughs> that yeah. was the first movie I'd ever seen him in, uh, Chewy Talagio for, and I, oh no, wait, unless he was in he might have been in love actually first. Yeah, he was. So that was the second movie I yeah, ever saw. He had him such in. a small part in love actually yeah. though. I like yeah. don't even count it because he had like what two lines throughout the yeah. entire movie. Yeah. So 
I would say this was like the first big role I ever saw him in and I've been like in love with him ever since. <laughs> so yeah. I think he's yeah. Awesome. He's awesome. He's great. Yeah. Yeah. I would like to see that movie sometime. It's always sort of on my periphery of movies that I'd like to see. So it's cute. It's very cute. I think you would like it. That's what I would say. That's what I yeah. would say. So I have one more I want to talk about. Okay, go ahead. I, do, I have a long list, but there's really only one I really want to talk about. So oh, okay. do you have another one? I don't. Okay, um, The Last King of Scotland. <gasps> yes, that's a great yeah. movie. That one intense. is very intense. intense. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that movie fucked me up um, with like him murdering the wife and everything. And uh, I mean... <sighs> Forrest yeah. Whitaker is Forrest so Whitaker. intense. Yeah, mm -hmm. so intense and so good as this, you know, bloodthirsty, like, t like just horrible dictator. And it's, it's a very intense movie. Um, but I would definitely highly recommend that one. It's good. It's very good. And James McAvoy's in it. Kerry Washington. Um, it's, it's very intense, though. It's yeah. Sad. It's a sad it movie. Yeah, it's not something lighthearted that you're like, let's just pop a movie in, but it is worth watching for sure. Yeah, and there's a little bit of body horror, so just like, you know, trigger warning. Um, but it's, yeah, it's very good. It's very good. So that's, that's it. Yeah, those were our honorable mentions. Yeah. So are you ready to talk about the movie? I am ready. Okay, so I... <laughs> I'm intensely I'm intensely I'm, uh, I can't talk we have been talking about this movie for like two weeks before we started before we watched it and um as you know y'all know Sam and I always watch it separately because we can't watch it together because we break the number one rule of this podcast and that is don't talk about the movie you're gonna review <laughs> it's a bad decision <laughs> so what did you think of the movie I don't think I liked it. Really? I'm surprised. I thought you were going to like it. I, I've gone back and forth this morning and I wasn't, like, it took me a while to come to that conclusion, but I don't, I don't think I liked it. Interesting. <laughs> okay. So why? Yeah. You want, okay. Well, I, Number one is I just really was looking forward to seeing like a very romantic movie. And this movie was not very romantic. No. And not. it disappointed me because I was ready. Like I was on board. I've, I've seen the still shots. I've, I grew up in the nineties. So I knew the lore about the bodyguard. I've seen the scene where he carries her out of her concert. You know, I've seen all these highlights and heard all this stuff about it. And I was like, I put the movie in and I was like, I'm just ready to watch like a romantic movie with like, give me a weird, awkward 90s sex scene. Give me like <laughs> romance. Give me, I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready to, to just throw myself into this, this 90s over two hour romance. And it was just like, not romantic and i don't even know if i'd call it a love story at all and i was disappointed and um i just it felt very superficial to me like the whole movie felt very superficial here are 
I feel like I might just say a waterfall of things that might take a lot of wind out of like the rest of the episode. So I'll, <laughs> I'll hold myself back. Okay. But I just, I felt very superficial to me. So that's my thoughts on it. What did you think? What are your thoughts on the movie? So I want to say that reminds me of when the first time I ever saw Pretty Woman. So Pretty Woman was one of those things where same thing. I grew up in the 90s. I had heard about it over and over again. I've heard all these people say how great Pretty Woman is. And I watched it and I fucking hated Pretty Woman. I could not, for the life of me, understand why people like this movie. I thought it was creepy. I was like, this is gross. Like, this is not a fucking romantic story. It's fucking weird. So I get where you're coming from, like 100%. I liked The Bodyguard. First of all, I have a huge crush on Kevin Costner. <laughs> she so, does. That is true. You do. And it's like not even like a young Kevin Costner. Like I like him now. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> she likes old Kevin Costner. I like I like him old. Um, <laughs> but um, so I the entire movie I was like, oh, so handsome. And every time Whitney Houston came on the screen, I'd be like, so beautiful. Like, so I... She is beautiful and she yeah. is very, like, bright in this movie. Yeah. She's a... Yeah. She's, she, I thought, was a great, a great part of the film. Um, I, I liked the movie. I had seen it before, but I actually... So I have to tell you, I remembered two things from the movie. And both of them I got wrong. <laughs> so the first one is when... Frankie but at least you got the Robin Williams frog movie, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. You know what? You, you need to find... You need to get your wins where you can find One them. out of three. <laughs> anyway, sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay. So... Ooh, oh, no. <laughs> oh What just I felt like I was on an amusement park ride. Her computer, for those listening, Lauren's computer just like slid off the table. And since we're on Zoom, it really felt like I was going down, like going down a hill. I was like, where, where am I going? I have like a lap desk and I like slightly tilted it forward. And the whole thing was just like, whoop, and I'm like, okay, bye. I'll see you next week. <laughs> um, and that's all for the show. So, <laughs> I'm glad I could take you on a roller coaster ride. Um, <clears throat> so, what was I saying? Oh, okay, said two, things. two things. Yeah, yeah. So, I remembered two things, and I got both of them wrong. And the first was when Frank was first introduced to Rachel. And, um, I thought that she was surrounded by women and she was in like a, um, like a dressing room and that was not the case. Um, <laughs> they were like filming a music video. So that was wrong. Uh, but they I, did was, have like, I mean, I can see where your memory would conflate that because they had like a woman getting fitted for like a costume and yeah. Like, and she was surrounded yeah. by people. So like yeah. I knew she was surrounded by people, but, um, for some reason, I thought she was like gossiping with her girlfriends, you know, or she was just like hanging out with her girls, but that was not the case. And then the second memory I have is the end. I knew they parted ways, but I didn't even remember that he got shot. And I did not remember if he died or not because I didn't remember he got shot. So <laughs> I like, all I knew was that they parted ways. I didn't remember how, I don't remember if he died or not. <laughs> like it was so, it was pretty much like watching a brand new movie because I didn't remember shit from this movie. Yeah, um, that's interesting. Yeah, so that was, I mean, because I have seen, like, I think I saw it probably 10 plus years ago, so it's been a long time. 
but so it was nice to see this movie basically under that the like knowing like not really knowing anything you know going right because it was essentially like like watching a new movie so that was kind of nice um but i so i i liked it i do have to say that i agree with you that it is not a romantic film and i really want to talk about i really want to talk about like i just want to dive in right away to their like that romantic scene that they have okay because i've had a lot of shower discussions about it and i've been walking <laughs> around my apartment pretty much all yesterday like ranting and raving about this scene <laughs> So, so in this scene, um, so she asks him on a date, right? And he says yes, and they're on a date later. Which... The weird thing, just leading up to that date, I I just could not get on board with. I was like probably squinting my eyes and shaking my head because he saved her life, or he like he didn't even really save her life. She was just getting mauled on stage, so he carried her out. Right. And then the next day she was like, like had a little crush on him. And I feel like it was just a passing crush because he saved her life. But instead she's like, Hey, I can't go out with a man because you're my bodyguard. So why don't we go out? And he went along with it, which seemed really weird and unprofessional to me. Yeah, I totally agree with that. So, okay. <laughs> so first of all, the scene where he carries her out is not romantic. It no. is like 100% mm -hmm. Her, like, she just experienced a pretty heavy trauma, you know, being groped by all these people, and he rescued her. It was, yeah. it was like, they like rushed, no, what? They rushed the stage. I don't, yeah, I don't yeah. think they meant anything, like, any harm by it. I think they just were like rushing the stage, but right. Yeah. Yeah. But it was not, it was not romantic, and it right. wasn't romantic after, like, there, there was, it was nothing. So, yeah. So she asked him out, and, um, and I was like, when I saw it, I was like, <laughs> you know, like, I was like, cute. But they went on this date. And of course, he's like super chill and just like this laid back dude. Well, kind of laid back. That's not actually really accurate. But... Oh, and they watched the movie Yojimbo, which I mentioned on, a, on the action movie podcast that samurai movie they were watching was Yojimbo. It's oh, was it? Japanese okay. for the bodyguard, like by bo or bodyguard, like Yojimbo right. means bodyguard. So of course uh, the bodyguard took her to see a movie about a bodyguard. Of course. <laughs> anyway, of course. so that's the movie they were watching. I actually sent a clip. I sent a shot of that to Mike and I said, whoa, they're watching Yojimbo, which <laughs> he's a man of limited interest, I guess. <laughs> Kevin Costner, I mean, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Frank. Yeah. Um, so, um, so anyway, so they go to see this movie which was i thought was cute and i think and i'm just gonna say this beforehand that if they had i would have liked a lot more if there was um this like friendship or love between them that was bordering on romantic yes and like maybe there were several scenes where you're like oh my god they're about to kiss oh my god they're about to kiss you know, i needed some something. sexual tension i needed right. some sexual like flirtatious sexual tension exactly and in Instead, so they're like they're dating whatever and then they I go on a date a date yeah, yeah they're they not dating a date yeah <laughs> so she um she says this one thing that i really liked because his reaction was so like like he was trying to keep calm but inside he's like what what is what what does that mean where she said like so is this like a full service date and he like raises his eyebrows <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. he like raises his eyebrows because he's like 
um, what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, I mean, dancing, silly. And so they <laughs> dance and they're listening to some guy like totally just destroy. I will always love you, which as anyone knows, was originally done by Dolly Parton and written about Porter Wagner after she left the Porter Wagner show. So did you say as everyone knows? Because I don't know. Everyone knows. I don't think everyone knows that. I didn't know no. that. So. No, I Not knew that knows. she had done that song, but I didn't know why she did that song. That's like saying yeah. like, everyone knows. <laughs> so anyone Porter who's Wagner, as famous many times. <laughs> household name Porter Wagner. <laughs> So as anyone who has watched Drunk History as much as I have would know that um, because there's an episode. Yeah. So she was on the Porter Wagner show and then she left and she wrote, I will always love you. But okay. then Whitney really made it like really huge. Yeah. Yeah. So there's like some dude singing that song and actually absolutely slaughtering it. And they're talking about how sad it is. And um, which I think could have been a perfect aspect to their relationship as far as like, it really meaning something to them, but they really didn't go into that. So then <laughs> they're like back at his place, which is just absolutely bare bones. But wait, what? did you understand his house at all? Because it felt like he took her to his unfinished basement, but then in the morning <laughs> they woke up in a very nice bedroom. And I thought, why are they? Cause it, like in my head, I answered my question by saying, is she in that much danger that they can't hang out upstairs? But then I thought, but but they're upstairs. They're in the bedroom. So is this his house? Because the couch was like covered with canvas and he just had boxes and like there was like a water heater. It was like a basement with a cement floor. Right. And I couldn't I figure out why he took her down there. I don't either. I don't either. It was like his whole house was like so depressing and it like made me want to die a little bit. Like I was just like, oh, I don't like this. Like, yeah, I was hoping so... that you could shed some light on it. Like, did he live in a basement apartment that he's just actually no, because we saw his kitchen and it was all messy early in the movie. And that's a yeah. trope. A trope that I really don't like is that men can't take care of themselves without women because like men, that's like the implication is that like men don't mind being dirty. And that really bothers me. Like, oh my God, I have something totally relevant to tell you that I think you're going to really think is funny. So, cause I watch TikTok a lot. So there's this one person or this one girl who is like, tell me you're a man in your thirties who has your shit together without telling me you're a man in your thirties who has his shit together. So I'm watching this guy and he's like walking around his apartment and he's like, this is clean and this is clean and I have all my shit together and I have this and this and that and as I'm watching it I was like I can't believe how turned on I'm getting at this video. <laughs> I, was like, I was like I was like a man that has his shit together this is so hot <laughs> I I just like I'm sorry I'm interrupting the story about their love story, but we do see his house. So the implication is that he took her to his unfinished basement for unknown reasons. They never explain why they're down there. But earlier in the movie, you see him and he like makes some sort of like one pot meal and he's eating out of a pot with a wooden spoon, like a giant serving wooden spoon. Right. And he's eating out of it. And I think like Frank Farmer, that's his name. Frank yeah. Farmer was a social, a social, um, What's the word am I like? He was he was like uh, um he was a security force, like special special oh, agent. He was, or... um, he was um 
Secret Service. He was Secret Service for two presidents, so he has to have made a lot of money. He was able to, he's able to keep people alive, but he's okay living like a pig because that's how you see he's a bachelor, and that drove me nuts because he's a human Uh man. He's a human man who's fully capable of eating off of a plate and cleaning up after himself. But I just, I can't stand it. Like, this guy needs a woman because look how messy he is. Like, yeah. So men who are single just, just, they just live in squalor, basically. I, I know. I hate, ranting, it. I hate but... that trope too. No, it's, it's, it's totally relevant. It's a totally relevant trope because it happens all the time. And I think but... it's very 90s as well. I don't yeah. Know. Yeah. Well, and so like, he now. has like a place it, at her house house like they built like a little like yeah for him or whatever so. yeah and she can look down and see him watching her music video that scene really bothered me too where why was he listening to it so loud because she was way up in her room and she like heard her own music playing and she like followed the sound and looked out the window and she was watching him watch her videos and then at one moment he like leaned forward but I just like didn't I was so (laughs) perplexed at what was happening in that scene (laughs) no it's I (laughs) it's like I totally agree with you because he must have been listening to it very loud like she was like that like trees there was like a <laughs> courtyard there's like a fucking pool and she's like i can hear this as clearly as if it was in my room like yeah, what? It, like is he like, hard of hearing because he was just um, yeah <laughs> sitting he was just sitting on the couch watching her music videos which i feel like is really weird because i don't i don't like why would he be watching her music videos and why wouldn't he have the curtains closed i don't understand i don't <laughs> i don't either anyway I don't so I think it would have made more sense if he had brought her to like that, like that room, you know, like that's on her property. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I guess I, I thought it was, I don't know, whatever. Anyway. So yeah, they go into this like unfinished basement and she's like playing with like a samurai sword. Yeah. He has a samurai sword hanging on his wall. It's probably a Hanzo sword, I think. Yeah. You know? well, I, yeah. I don't know what that is, but anyway. It's from um, Kill Bill. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, so, and then he like, I did like the part where he stands up and it like presses into his shirt and like he takes off her scarf and shows her how sharp it is. I was like that. I like that scene. I thought that was kind of hot, but anyway, um, I can see, I can see why she had sex with him after that. <laughs> I mean, me too. But the thing that was weird, like what was weird about that is that then the sword was in the bedroom. So the sword was part of their foreplay more than just that. And that seems really dangerous <laughs> to me. I didn't even notice that it was in the bedroom. That's hilarious. Yeah, Cause he like woke up and looked and her underwear was like laying across it. Which seems really dangerous because he's already illustrated that throwing fabric into the sword can cut it very easily. So, right. like, it's obviously a very, very sharp sword. Yeah. Um. So. <laughs> so anyway, and then they had sex, and like, but we don't she, see it, which is fine. Like earlier we're in the just, show, when I said I wanted an awkward '90s sex scene, I didn't truly want one. I was just ready for one. But I was, right. I was actually <laughs> pleased that they didn't show like, like Brad Pitt where he did every position. <laughs> I was glad that <laughs> we didn't have like off. a drawn out <laughs> slow motion scene of them having sex like upside down, backwards, side by side. 
Have you ever seen the movie um, Team America World Police? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Like that, the sex scene in that is the funniest shit I've ever seen. It was so over the top. It was perfect. It like, was ridiculous. Yeah. And it's a good, I actually, that's really good satire on 90s movie yeah. sex scenes. Yeah, I don't know. I if, totally agree. If that's totally exactly agree. the message they were going for, if they just wanted to make it ridiculous, but that's a pretty good, like, <laughs> Yeah. 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 It's perfect. It's perfect. Um, so that kind of reminded me of what you said, but no, I'm glad they didn't have like the, like there was a really like over the top sex scene in the movie. Nobody's fool. It's with, uh, Tiffany Haddish and I think his name is Omari Hardwick anyway. And I don't remember the other actress's name, but like, it was so over the top and it was like in slow motion the entire time oh which is like it was like no it was like super romantic and i was just watching this and i was like i'm getting like secondhand embarrassment for these (laughs) actors that they had to do this for so long like this you know so you've seen fight club right in the scene between tyler and marla when they have that sex scene that alone lasted for eight hours oh my god and it was like a maybe a 30 second scene yeah so imagine doing like an over the top legends of the fall brad pitt oh my gosh or like 300 300 had a super awkward sex scene that i yeah. did not like that was like well. it's very like it's like they're doing it in a way that's artistic but Anyone who's ever had sex knows that sex is not artistic. It's like, well, I feel like <laughs> movie sex scenes are like so focused on the thrusting that they don't show the connection. Yeah. Like make yeah. them like, like smile at each other and whisper to each other and like kiss. And you know what I mean? Like all those things yeah. are what sex is. But when they're just like this, like mega thrusting and like, just like, <laughs> super pleasure faces that's 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 so it's so weird to me and it's so uncomfortable to watch it's very weird mike Um, and i watched um the movie 1984 uh and there's a sex scene in that or there's maybe a couple but there's one like the first sex scene between the two main characters and the woman is supposed to look like she's like enjoying it but instead she's just like it's like a grimacing pleasure face and it was so uncomfortable to watch and that's how I feel with a lot of like pleasure faces. They just make me uncomfortable. And I'm like, just show the two lovers liking what they're doing. Like, yes, right. it feels good, but also they should be like enjoying each other's company. You know, right. I feel like a lot of sex scenes don't really do that. Well, yeah, I think, I think you're totally right. Like, and I know you don't like the movie, but I thought that um, Winter's Tale had a decent sex scene. It was cute. You know, they were like vibing with each other. No, I, I actually agree with you. I yeah, agree with you. Yeah. It had a very, um, it had more of a lovely sex, lovely sex yeah. scene than yeah. most movies have. Yeah. yeah. And it was like, you could tell that there was a lot of like, they really cared about each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was very sweet. Um, so yeah, so, no, I totally agree with you that it's like over the top. I'm like, okay, this isn't, it's not hot. It's just weird. It's just, no, like, yeah. I just, it's just weird. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I commend the bodyguard for not showing that awkwardness because in the nineties, like 1992, they would have been right in the heyday of that type of scene, yes, you know? They yep. Yep. Absolutely. Anyway. So 
they she's like laying in his arms and she's like i've never felt more safe and i was like oh that's cute but then that's about the most romantic the movie gets is yeah. the like post-sex cuddling you know but then, and that's, like, so, that's a nice scene i agree with you like that yeah. moment is nice yeah yeah it's very nice but then the part that bothered me and this is the part where i was talking to myself for like hours afterward about this um i was just walking around my apartment like angrily like stomp not stomping around but like um was when he wakes up in the morning and he's like acting like just so cold and weird towards her and i was like okay first of all frank you're a fucking professional so if you are in a situation where you think that you know like your feelings might get um like something bad's gonna happen because too many emotions are involved why would you agree to the date in the first place like you know what can happen like and he even says later that like he had been in a relationship with some girl and he felt like he couldn't like protect her or something so it, it's or she no she fell out of love with him that was what it was yeah no, the, that yeah, was the, earlier yeah that was earlier yeah it wasn't about his job his he had this like hang up about when he was guarding ronald reagan and he like apparently went home for the night and reagan was shot under somebody else's watch but he like continually punished himself for it which was i I don't know i didn't really care for that backstory but i didn't really care for it either especially since reagan lived (laughs) so it's like yeah and it's like like, you're a human being you can't be everywhere at once you have to accept that the job has like that's the job right when you're guarding him you're guarding him when you're not guarding him you put your faith in somebody else and if you don't think somebody on the team i don't know it's just well it was like it was flimsy you know, like you need rest, you need time to right. yourself, like time to decompress because that's what, you know, that's part of like self-care is that you need to like have time to yourself to like relax and stuff. So I didn't really get that whole Reagan thing either. And I also like when they said that they were like, oh, he worked for Reagan. I was like, oh my God, this movie's so old. <laughs> I know. I thought that too because my, well, my initial thought was like, whoa, he's way too old for her then. But then I thought, hold on, Samantha, this is like 1992. It's not 2021. <laughs> you know? Exactly what I was thinking too. Yeah. I was like, I was like, excuse he me, be- Reagan. Reagan was president when I was born, sir. <laughs> you should be like walking around being like, and then I think we should put these cameras up here. <laughs> Let me show you my samurai sword. <laughs> like he's just like this old man bodyguard who she falls in love with yeah oh no, man i agree with you like why would he agree well actually i thought it was weird that he agreed to go on the date to begin with but then when i was watching the date scene like when they were at the bar yeah i thought is this like a date date or is he just agreeing to take her out to like let off steam like i wasn't right. sure if he was even in a date mindset or if he was just like let's hang out because it's been rough and I'll take you out because you'll be safe with me, but we won't have the whole crowd of your entourage around, around us. Right. So then when it sort of morphed into a romantic date, I thought, Oh, interesting. This is when the romance starts and like, show me the romantic montage, not the sex montage, but just like after that, like show me the montage where he like, she gives him like a kiss where nobody's watching and things, you know? And I was like, rubbing my palms together ready for like a a romance and basically like you said he wakes up in the morning and it was as if now he drove them home from the bar but the way he woke up in the morning was as if he had gotten blackout drunk 
had sex with her and regretted it in the morning. Yeah. He was not that drunk. He made all no. of those decisions, but he acted like he was like, I'm a professional and, and I can't, I can't do that. And I was like, you guys just had sex. You can't like level with each other. He can't say, listen, I have feelings for you, but I'm here to do a job and my feelings right. may cloud my judgment. But instead he just like shut down and treated yes. her like what she, like having sex was wrong. It was and so it was, weird. It like, and it was so uncomfortable and she was so angry about it. And I could totally understand why she was so angry. Cause I'd be pissed too. I'd be like, I'd be like, why did you even agree to go out with me? Like, how, like, and for, <laughs> if it were me, I would have fired him. I would have been like, I'm going to find someone new there yeah. because you clearly like you're now you're fucking with my mind and that's not okay. Like I right. would be like, you need to walk away from the situation. I'd be pissed. I would like, I can't understand why she didn't fire him. I, I thought like, the Bye. same thing. I actually don't understand why he didn't step down. Like, obviously the yeah. movie wouldn't exist, but like in that situation, he should have immediately resigned and said, here, yeah. I'm going to give you some names of people I trust because I can't right. work for you anymore. But instead, yeah, he was just like a jerk to her. And yeah, it was so weird. Like, and he's like, you're paying me to protect you, but I'm also sleeping with you. And it's like, well then don't say don't say yes to begin with like it, it just oh my sam i was literally like walking around my apartment like angry i was like why did this happen this way it's well so and then mad. yeah and the next bit of the movie is just like this weird bit of him just doing his job normally and her just being pissed at him yeah for doing his job and i'm thinking in the whole time i was like do they have feel like does he have feelings for her or not because right. i honestly couldn't tell because I either well one of my main complaints about the movie is that i think there was great potential to make a really beautiful love story because here's rachel whitney houston's character's name is rachel and she's a pop star and everyone thinks they know her and everyone thinks what they know what's best for her and we never really get to know her and that's my right. problem like you had a very good opportunity to be like for her to open up to him and be like listen everyone thinks they know me but they don't know me they just know right. my name but that never happened like in fact a lot of the time I thought her character was kind of unlikable because she would play like every once in a while she would kind of become vulnerable and I kind of liked that but then it, right. she would go right back into like play acting and I thought if those if those hills and valleys had been a little bit further apart, like show me a, a big moment where she's like herself, where I get to right. see Rachel. And then when I see her falling into that, like, you know, like when she'd be backstage and she'd be all sassy to people or, and she was at that party and she'd be sassy, like that's her fame persona. And I think that that would be really cool to see, like, show me Rachel and then show me the contrast between her fame persona and her real self. And I thought that that would be a really cool story, but they never did that. They pretty much made her like kind of like annoyingly sassy most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, they, they, there wasn't a lot of like deep character development within this film. Yeah. And, and well, one of, Wait, can I say one thing? Yeah, go ahead. Yes, go? yes. Um, so there, just to speak on what you were saying, uh, um, a perfect, like a perfect scene for her to have been vulnerable was after she had been like, um, you know, uh, non-consensually crowd surfing, I guess you could call it. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> 
That was part of the rating. The thematic elements and non-consensual crowd surfing is rated R. (laughs) Anyway. People were like, what does that mean? (laughs) Oh, now I get it. Um, So I thought that they were going to include more where she's um, in the uh, limo and after like that whole thing that really obviously clearly traumatized her and they could have, you know, showed the scene where she's crying or something and she's like she's like that was so scary that was really terrible but they just <laughs> what are you <laughs> like they never I totally i totally agree with you it was yeah. like he carried a mannequin out and put a mannequin in the limo because she never moved or spoke <laughs> no i know he like and he like put his like coat over her and then he's like all right henry let's go and then that was like it and so but i i was like she doesn't say anything in this scene. I thought that that would have been a perfect scene for her to have been like, I really, like, I, there's parts about this job that I really enjoy, but, you know, something like that makes me think maybe I want to quit. Or, so, you know what I mean? Like, anything to just show her being a person. And, and yeah, I totally yeah. agree with you. Yeah, it yeah. was like she was catatonic when she got yeah. put in the limo. Like, she was just, they, they could have literally just used a mannequin because you only see her in shadow yeah. and yeah. she never moves or speaks. And I thought, what happened to her? Did she, like, hit her head? Right. Is she yeah. comatose? Is she, she should go to a hospital because I don't know what happened. Well, Surely she didn't like, fall really asleep. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, like, he doesn't even really, like, ask her if she's okay. And, and so, and I just, I wanted... I, I totally agree with you. I wanted there to be a lot more of a romance between them because they had good chemistry. You know, I mean, I think that they, as as actors, I think that they worked well together. But you're right. There's always kind of this, like, back and forth where you're like, is he into her or not? You know, and and she kind of kind of does the same thing. But, like, you know, there's that scene where they're in Miami, I think it is, and she ends up going into, like, that private room with portman who i immediately thought was fucking creepy as shit with that like weird little like eye thing he had which i know was not his fault but it added to his creepy factor (laughs) like big time like i was like i was like as soon as he came up i was like fuck that guy (laughs) (laughs) almost immediately i did not like him like i got like a bad vibe like right away and i ended up being right so you know i mean it's whatever (laughs) but I have questions but, about him, but finish your thought first. Yeah. So like, and she went into that private room with him where he was very, even more creepy. And you could see on Frank's face, like he kind of has this look like he's really bothered by it, but he's such a professional that he doesn't like let it show, you know? But I, it, it the thing about Frank is that I think him as a character he's an interesting character but there's not a lot that dives deep underneath the surface of other than what he does as a profession you know like it's yes like that whole scene where he's fighting with um who's that guy uh tony tony yeah in the kitchen and like tony is clearly i was like first of all tony why do you keep coming at him when this guy is clearly way was tony gonna murder him like tony they're both they both are on the same team they both wanted to save her tony wasn't falling in line early earlier so frank took matters into his own hands and set up an escape route and tony was so pissed he was gonna murder frank for doing the job that they hired him to do i don't 
I know. He I don't get up a knife. Like he was going to stab him. And I thought, what is going on right now? Why is he this mad? I know. I didn't get that either. And it was like, it was very, uh, first of all, I didn't think Tony was good at his job at all. I could not understand why he had kept the job as long as he had because he sucked. He like never noticed anything. Like Frank always noticed shit. Like Frank would be like, there's something not right here. And he'd be like, whatever. And I'm like, no, not whatever, Tony. This woman's life is in danger. Like, yeah. do your fucking job, dude. Like, he was kind on. of more like part of the entourage than an actual bodyguard. It felt like he just right. liked the lifestyle and he allegedly like really liked working for her. I don't know. There was. I think he liked being surrounded by beautiful women. Yeah. In liked. the money and yeah. the. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. And I, I couldn't have, I couldn't understand, especially after that, like how he kept his job. Because if I were Frank, I would have gone to um, Devaney and been like, or Bill, I think is his name. I would have gone to Bill and I would have been like, uh, so Frank tried to kill me last night. So you might want to <laughs> kick him out. <laughs> just yeah. saying. And you know? who was Bill? Like, Bill was just this like old guy who hung out with a young pop star or who was he to her? I think he was maybe, maybe like, I don't know. That's a good question. Cause I'm thinking like he was almost like a personal assistant, but then Nikki was her personal assistant, her sister. Um, and Cy so, was like her manager. Yeah. He was like her publicist. Okay. Oh, maybe, maybe Bill was the manager and that Cy was be. the publicist. Yeah. yeah that, that could, could be. probably more like it. Yeah, because um, it seemed like he was maybe like, it seemed like Bill kind of managed the house a little bit too. You know, yeah, because Bill of- really wanted Frank there, and so he had some like Bill had some sort of pull with Rachel where she would listen to him. So that's why I was like, yeah. what What is he to her? Why does she like? Why does she keep Frank around just because Bill says he should be around? You know, right, right, right. Yeah, I don't know. Because Frank's really good looking, well- that's why I keep him around. <laughs> Uh, like literally anytime like they'd show like a close-up I was like those eyelashes <laughs> oh my gosh I I'm sorry I just I find Kevin Costner very handsome okay <laughs> so speaking of farm Frank Farmer played by Kevin Costner I also thought the love story could have been really good because just like you said there's no development with him but they're both people in the movie in the movie universe they have professions that like sort of force them to wear masks right and they're both people who have a personality underneath that mask that people don't see and i feel like we got a little glimpse of it when he was on his date with her and she was like have you ever been in love before and he said yeah and she said she probably got killed right you couldn't save her and then he like totally ribbed her and he was like you can't save everyone and he looked really sad but then he started laughing after she was like apologized profusely he started laughing right. and i thought oh we're getting a glimpse of it this was when i was still young and naive and i thought it was a love story i thought oh we're getting <laughs> a glimpse of their love their like his little playfulness and that was it you know yeah and but then you didn't like yeah they're both like that's what i mean by superficial like the the movie had really great potential to actually like be deep yeah but yeah anyway yeah so i don't know the bill thing like bill wanted him around because she was being stalked and this is something i wanted to talk to you about so i did have a question about portman that was never answered throughout the movie and i don't so there's a weird twist 
in the movie where her sister like hired a hitman to kill her. So Nikki hired a hitman to kill Rachel. And then, but there's also this weird stalker with like the flowing blonde hair. Yeah. And I don't understand. And the, I thought the, the movie did a faucet wig. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought the movie did a really bad job of explaining what was going on. So was Portman hired by Nikki to kill her or and was the uh the super fan that they questioned at the police office of the Farrah Fawcett wig was he just sort of like a misdirection for the audience or was he also the one like I so, don't I don't get it I don't I was he just supposed to be like throwing the audience off the scent but he didn't actually do anything except collect stuff from her I don't understand so, it I think what happened is the the guy with the wig what it, does he have a name in this I don't know anyway we'll just call him the stalker so I think what happened is Nikki went to a bar and she talked to someone and she said I need to kill my sister cause she's a terrible person and I mean the Nikki not her sister right. um because who fucking wants to murder your sister unless your sister is like the like the worst person ever sure <laughs> but like she uh, gave you a job has a nice place to stay she doesn't seem like she's unkind to her you know it just seems like a jealousy thing to me yeah yeah anyway um and nikki talked to someone and then this person went to another person portman i'm guessing and said hey we need you to kill this this uh singer i think that the stalker was a red herring i don't think that i think that all he did was he sent her letters and he like called her but i don't think that he was i i don't like i don't think there was that much more to him other than that and i so i think that portman's motivation was that he was he was paid to kill her that was his big motivation so is he the one that snuck in that's another thing another problem that i have with the movie is that these really crazy things have been happening to her and they are like hiding them from her like right. the, her publicist yeah, was like we don't want to tell her because she'll get scared i'm like let her get scared because then she'll take this seriously like the whole yeah. time the whole time in the beginning she was just like so mad about having to have frank come and and set up more security and i thought just tell the woman that somebody broke into her house and yeah. masturbated onto one of her beds and sending her death threats. She should yeah. know about that. And that really bothered me because Frank also told Bill, I'm not going to protect her unless she knows why I'm protecting her. So I thought, right. why didn't Frank tell her? Frank is there. It's yeah. Within, I like he's hired to protect her. It's within his rights to tell his employer who is her, the money is coming from her pocket right to tell her right. why he's there and he never did and nobody ever did and i thought that was a ridiculous plot hole yeah i well i always thought that Sai was shady i thought that maybe his his main motivation was that he wanted her to just perform rather than him being really worried about her safety yeah like he really didn't care about her well-being he really just yeah. wanted the fame uh, yeah exactly exactly yeah so i i never liked Sai from the beginning i was like mm, i don't trust this guy and I pretty much kept that like even though he was never really shady i just i didn't i didn't really care about him i didn't i didn't care about him at all um 
So I thought it was super weird that he was hiding it from her because I was like, if it were me and I was in Rachel's shoes, hell yeah, I would want to know that someone fucking broke into my house and masturbated in my fake bed. Like, you know, I mean, yeah, it's like, what the hell, you know? And so I, I think it's weird that they kept it from her for so long. And you're right. That's exactly why she was so hesitant about having Frank there because, um she's just like well I don't need protection I'm fine but it's like but you're not and no one is telling you that like someone wants to fucking kill you so yeah and they could have had they could have had just as good of a movie if she had just been if she had known the whole situation but then she just was still resistant towards the changes because she said like I don't want this place to feel like a prison and I don't want to change my life I want to be able to have brunch with my friends all of those things could have still happened with her knowing everything that was going on. You right. know, there was no right. reason to have her not know because it also like contributed to what I thought was making her character seem stupid and superficial. Right. And they barely reconciled that because like we've talked about, the movie didn't have much depth. Right. So her right. character always just seemed very flippant about her own safety. And I think that that, part of that could have been solved by just having her know what was going on from the beginning and still being resistant because yeah I don't want like she doesn't want somebody to want to kill her and she also doesn't want to lose her freedom so I think both of those could still motivate her to be antagonistic toward him yeah and you know I mean Fletcher that's the kid so you know she doesn't want to change Fletcher's life either which is understandable because he's a young boy and he's not going to understand that you know though is it because she didn't really act like a very good mother for most of the movie like he was kind of like a nanny kid like you saw his nanny she would like i don't even think i saw her talk to him until they went to that cabin and even then she just like was cuddling with him on the bed up until that point he could have just been any little kid and i thought why'd they give her a kid because she's very aloof she doesn't seem like a good mom yeah i think that they could have not included the kid and it probably wouldn't have made much of a difference. Yeah. Um, I liked I liked Fletcher. I thought he was a great character. I thought he was interesting. He was insightful. He was clever. You know, he was a cute kid. But um, if it doesn't help with the overall story, then what's the point? You know? Yeah. Because once again, they had an opportunity to show her as like a real person, but they, they didn't even like show her as like a loving mother. Yeah. And yeah, like I thought it was weird like when they're in the cabin and she's like, I'm just going to go to bed. And I was like, you're not going to go, hey, kid, you need to get to bed. Yeah. Like, let yes. me put you to bed. Like yeah. I thought that, that was weird. Like, well, so he's what, supposed to put himself to bed or Nikki's supposed to put her to bed? And, and then in that sense. case, I could kind of understand Nikki's anger and motivation towards her sister. If, if her sister is always like pawning her child off on Nikki, then I could understand. I mean, don't murder your sister just walk away from the situation but still like well i thought that they that fletcher was like a cheap a cheap way to put in to to give uh kevin costner frank frank farmer's character more humanity because there's these like scenes where it's supposed to seem really loving that he's interacting with fletcher and then you see like rachel seeing this interaction from a distance and i just found it really hard i couldn't bring up i couldn't muster up the energy to care because she didn't seem to care about fletcher so why would she care that a guy is interacting with her kid like the deeper connotation is like oh he can be a father figure to fletcher but 
none of that matters because you're not even really a mother figure to Fletcher. So right. why do I care that you care that that Frank is taking interest in him? You know, it's it's right. So it's very it's very cheap. I thought. Yeah, I agree with you. I totally but I agree do want to talk about Nikki. Okay, I have some strong feelings about Nikki as well. And oh, yeah, you texted me. <laughs> so so wait, can I tell? So you texted me and you were like, "I kind of want Frank to hook up with Nikki," and I was like. And I sent you like the zipping mouth, like if I was like, I ain't going to say shit because you are going to be surprised. <laughs> and then you send me a message later and you were like, you were like this plot twist with like the head exploding emoji. <laughs> I know I broke the rules. I had to text you about it. So when that movie first started, Frank Farmer w- walks in on Nikki. She's like dance exercising, like jazzercising. And Frank walks in on her and they have like this chemistry and they have a real conversation and which is like the basis of a love story. And she's saying how Nikki was in a band when she was in, in school, but then Rachel joined the band and everybody liked Rachel more than Nikki because Rachel's just more talented than Nikki in music. Right. And I thought that that, I really, really wanted the movie to change because I think a story where everyone like craps their pants trying to make Rachel happy, a story where here's this one man who notices her sister is kind of a beautiful love story in my head. And I was like, and I knew that he fell in love with Whitney Houston, obviously, because I mean, I I haven't been living in Iraq, but I thought to myself, like in a parallel universe, I think I kind of like a story where the sister who gets outshined in everything by her superstar sister is noticed by somebody and can actually like live her life outside of her sister. Because I feel for Nikki because I think she put her dreams and her life on hold to sort of like roll out the red carpet for her, for Rachel everywhere she goes. And right. And and then like later on in the movie, Nikki seems very protective of Rachel when after Frank has slept with Rachel and then like blown her off, Nikki is kind of like gives him like some side eye and everything and right. And and then when they're in the cabin, Nikki tries to sleep with him and she's like, Oh, I thought maybe you'd want to sleep with both sisters. And then the next day, and this is sort of like like the movie wasn't great to like I didn't think the movie was that great as it was going but this really jumped the shark for me where i was like where all of a sudden nikki is the one who hired this assassin and i thought okay i understand jealousy and i understand putting your life on hold but hiring an assassin to kill your sister who's not like a bad person right it seems extreme it yeah. seemed crazy and then and then i nikki have to gets- say though Wait, can I say, yeah. I didn't actually, like, I didn't remember that it happened, but it, it wasn't unexpected to me. I wasn't really? surprised. No, I wasn't surprised. It shocked me because they've never mm-hmm. established a bad rule. The only thing they established was that, was that Nikki's life was put on hold by Rachel's life. And that's really sad. But they don't, like, like anything else in the movie, they don't really explore it beyond that. So when you see them together, they seem like good sisters like they right yeah and there's no reason for nikki to have this role like and then you find out she hired an assassin and then 
in another twist, she gets killed by the assassin because it's dark and the assassin must think she's Rachel Portman, right. I guess. Portman yeah, is there, Portman, but he's yeah. wearing a mask. You don't know it's him at the time and kills her. And then there's this... So the next scene is this is the funeral scene and you hear a voiceover from like a radio station where they're like, oh, Nikki Maron, sister of superstar Rachel Maron, was gunned down by a home invader and... Rachel said it put a pall on the upcoming Academy Award ceremonies. And I thought, oh, okay. No, I don't, I don't think that she said that. I think that they said that. that I don't well, think Rachel said that. I think that they were like, oh, this, cre- this casts a pall upon the Oscar ceremony. Well, that makes a little bit more sense. But it yeah. still doesn't make sense because the next scene, Rachel's like, I'm going to the Academy Awards. And I thought, Rachel, your sister was just murdered by a home invader who was coming for you. Yeah. And she kind of seemed like a goldfish to me. Like, does she remember what's happening through the whole movie? Your sister, your sister made it, your, your sister did some awful things. So maybe you didn't grieve her death as much. Like, maybe you're very conflicted, but you should be mourning and grieving because up until that moment, you did not know how angry your sister was. Right. Also, I don't think she ever, I don't think she ever knew. I don't think she ever knew that her sister hired someone to kill her <gasps> oh yeah she doesn't ever I, yeah i don't think they ever tell her that and i if i worked for her i would keep that under wraps like i would be like you make sure you never breathe a word about this because i would like i would never want this person i care about to think that someone who was in their life that supposedly loved them tried to get them killed like i would i would always make sure that that was a secret you know yeah so i don't i don't think rachel ever knew but I did also agree that I thought that that was very weird. It seems to me like if I was in Rachel's shoes, even though, you know, the accumulation of my career is coming to a point where I'm about to win an Oscar, my sister's death and her, her sudden murder would take precedence over that infinitely. That oh, makes it many seem, times over. Yeah. That makes it seem even worse. So if she yeah. didn't, because I agree with you, there was no scene where they told her that Nikki had hired him. Yeah, but you also, you don't even, like, really see her grieving. No, you don't. It's, like, it goes from that, and then finally her her and Frank kiss again, but it's not that romantic. It's just another, like, here are two strangers, like, who maybe like each other. I don't know. Kissing. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then she's going to the Academy Awards, but that seems even worse because... If she had no idea what Nikki had done, and, and it was just from her perspective you were supposed to be the recipient of that bullet, but you're luckily your sister got it instead. That would be even more motivation to be like, no, I'm in heavy mourning. I'm yeah. locking myself away for a year because somebody's trying to kill me. Somebody found me. That also really bothered me that they like sort of went off the grid, but they were found like that bothered me. But yeah, somebody found me while I was off the grid. Well, they found her because Broken. Nikki knew where they were. Right, but she didn't know that Nikki. Oh, oh, you mean from yeah. my perspective? Yeah. Okay, I guess that makes sense. She could have yeah. told him. Okay, thank you. But that, the thing that is, makes okay. Sense. But also, I have to say that she did know where they were, but she didn't know who was trying to kill her. So, and she That's, said she yeah. didn't know who she had even talked to, other than his name was Armando. Well, like it doesn't matter if you have his first name if you don't have his last name because there could be a million other I mean I'm sure there's not a million other Armandos I I don't think that's a particularly popular name but it's still like 
if you don't even know who you spoke to and who knows if his name is even really Armando, he could have yeah. given a fake name. Like, so the, the, so I, I don't think that that scene makes a lot of sense as to like, yes, Nikki knows where they are, but then she says to, um, I almost called him Kevin. She says to Frank, <laughs> um, Kevin and her are chilling, <laughs> just having a good time, Kevin. Um, having some gin. Um, anyway, and so she tells Frank that she doesn't even know who she spoke to other than the fact that someone's after Rachel and they will not stop until she's dead. So it doesn't really make sense that Portman would be able to track them there unless they showed a scene where he maybe put like a GPS or something on their car, you know? Like, yeah. I thought Which I don't even know what exists in 1992. So the movie is is super convoluted, and I think the the thing that one of another thing that bothers me about it is they could have simplified it and made it better by just having it be a stalker fan. Yeah, but having this like plot line where all of a sudden her sister is the vil is a villain. and you never see her sister acting shady ever. Like I like maybe have her sister like, take a weird phone call or maybe have her sister do some shady things or have them argue a little bit but it's it's like a shock it's it's yeah as if halfway through filming they said no 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 we're gonna amp this up and make the sister the bad guy and then right so her sister was gunned down and she was totally fine with it and the viewer is supposed to be on board with that like I don't it it just it was very weird to me and I also thought can't can't the sister like at this point well so at this point when she's in the house well she dies after this but up before that when they have to like go to like a secret location for a little while the sister didn't think at any time like maybe I should go back to the bar and and tell Armando to call it off right or something like that yeah because if the guy is like the T-1000 where he will not stop then maybe she should try to stop him by like actually trying to stop him instead of just not doing anything. I know it seemed like she was very much like it's it's like it's like if there was a rocket ship going to space. So you can't stop a rocket ship that is already midway through like you know what I mean? Like you can't stop it. It's gonna go. It's the or else it's gonna fall to the ground and crash. It's like, it's not like she's like, oh, well, I can't stop the rocket. It's, it's like, she didn't even try to go and be like, listen, I fucked up. I love my sister. I'm an idiot. Don't do this. Instead, you know, I think Portman would have been called off if he had been I like, would think, yeah, like he gets to keep the money, right? Like, just you say, know, like keep the money, like, just keep the money, but don't do it. We're good. We're done. Just, just leave it alone, you know? And, but it's like she didn't even try. It's like getting sick enough where you have to go to the hospital and you're like, I'm just going to take some Musinex. Like, it's not going to make it go away. <laughs> you need antibiotics, man. You know? like Yeah, I don't get it. I don't get it at all. And I, I thought that, like, just cut that out. Like, have it be a crazy stalker fan who has, like, excellent resources and he can still accidentally kill the sister and Rachel can still be not sad about it and go to the Academy Awards anyway. But, like, yeah. just don't make the sister this mastermind who hangs out in circles where you can find what? 
She's not even a mastermind. Well, do you hang out in circles where you can find an assassin? All the time. <laughs> Don't you? <laughs> like, what, is the, what, are, what are her friends like? How does she find out about this stuff? I just, I thought that was really far-fetched and it, and it really bothered me because the movie is so different than what I anticipated and not in a good way. So I actually have something to say again about the sister. So she mentioned that she didn't remember who she spoke to because she was stoned. I think it would have been interesting if they had added that she was maybe dealing with like um, drug addiction. Yeah. Because I was like, okay, but what kind of stoned? Were you like on cocaine? Were you on heroin? Were you on meth or were you on weed? Because if you're on weed, like, first of all, you're just going to be like, I'm going to just go to the kitchen and eat like everything in there. You're not going to like, you're not going to be like, I think I'm going to go get my sister murdered. Now, if you're on like something that's really heavily psychedelic or something that really fucks you up, then sure. I could see that. I could see, you know, I mean, drugs are, you know, like <laughs> drugs are bad. <laughs> but like, you know what I mean? Like it's, I, I didn't, I thought that that was such a, like, she's like, I don't remember. I was stoned and I was like, okay, but with what? So to me, that line was completely unnecessary because it didn't really make sense with the rest unless she was struggling the entire time with drug addiction. You yeah. Know? Then I yeah. think that would make a little bit more sense. I don't think it's necessarily an excusable plot line, but at least it's somewhat better. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause I agree with you. Like using stoned as an excuse to hire a, an assassin to kill your sister is kind of a strange excuse. Yeah. yeah it's, and, and you don't even like, you don't know what she was on. So yeah. you don't know how it would have been affecting her. Um, yeah. <laughs> It's, I didn't care for the twist. I, the twist was like out of left field and I thought it was I pretty stupid. The thing is, okay, so the thing is, the thing is that this, this guy who directed it, his name is, his name is Mick Jackson. He also directed one of my favorite movies, which is LA Story. It's with Steve Martin. It's really cute and funny. Anyway, um, <laughs> which I just found that out. I was really excited about that. I was like, he did LA Story. <laughs> I love that movie. That movie is like worlds different from this one. But anyway, um, he, so if he was going to go for a more unsettling vibe with the film, I think that what you said where it was the stalker the entire time would have been much better because um we could have i mean like and even and this is okay so this is not the actor's fault that he looks like this but he looked like the farrah fawcett guy he looked so goofy i was kind of like off-brand dana carver dana carvey <laughs> Dana Carvey is what I meant. Yeah. Um, you could see that though, right? Like off-brand Dana Carvey. Yeah, sort of. Yeah. <laughs> I was, and I, I, I kept getting the impression as I was watching this movie and I'm watching him, like he was wearing like rubber gloves. So he clearly like, he understood that he needed to not leave a trace of who he was, but he like, wasn't anyone that we knew so when they 
that I thought that they were going to reveal someone that we knew. And I actually thought it was going to be Psy. Oh, really? Yeah. I was like, I was like kind of hoping it was him because I think that he would have been, um, I think he would have been an excellent creeper if he had, if it turned out to be him, because think about it. He's someone that she trusts. He's been with her for years and all of a sudden, you know, he, but he has this deep, dark obsession that he's been hiding. What, like, what a huge twist and how fucked up that would be and how much that would mess with the story. So if they had done something where, you know, Frank was maybe suspecting him for a while but like didn't have any basis in fact or whatever um i think would have been a much more interesting but instead they kind of just brought this rando from out of nowhere who he just looked ridiculous to me so i couldn't really take him seriously because he always kind of had like this like wide-eyed like oh i'm in trouble look and i was like oh you know what i mean like he annoyed me like and and it's not his fault that he looks like that so i feel sorry about saying that but it's also like not untrue. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, he had the look of somebody who could do all the things that he did. Yeah. And yeah. but the thing just going back to Sai, I I thought the movie was way too heavy handed as I don't know, like a commentary on Hollywood and, and A list celebrities and and how it's all about money and, and how Sai is like, no, no, we have to do all this because she's a hot star right now. And she gets nominated for an Academy Award and he wants her to go to this award ceremony. And then she has like, she panics on stage because she thinks she's going to get attacked. And so she runs backstage and Sai says to Frank, after this, you're fired. You don't know anything about show business. And I thought like, what does show business have to do with anything? Your client, Sai, I'm talking to Sai right now. Rachel, your client, her life is in danger. Her sister was murdered by a home invader. Yeah. She could be murdered. I yeah. don't understand. Like, it was just too heavy handed. Like, all these people were so obtuse. And I understand that in Hollywood, like, cash is king and everybody just wants to sort of orbit around these famous people. But at a certain point, like you have to wake up and say, "Okay, I can't eat, breathe, eat, sleep, and breathe being a celebrity or or being around the celebrity because this is legitimate. Like this is a legitimate problem." Right. Instead, he was just like so laser focused, and and I just to an extent, I thought it was fine, but then it just crossed over into excessive for me that I just thought was was. I, it felt like it was like a movie for like homeschool kids almost like this is what being a celebrity is like and that really sort of bothered me well and that character is extremely tropey he yes. is like i've seen yeah. a million other characters like him there's nothing unique about Sai. he's not even really interesting i don't care about what happens to Sai. i kind of think he's creep i kind of think he's a dick so it, it's like yeah, I, I agree with you that it's just like, it, it, he's he's so obsessive with getting her to where she needs to be. But if you get her where she needs to be, there's a real possibility that she could die and get murdered while she's there. So mm-hmm. who's winning? You know, who's winning in this scenario? Yeah. And I also just think like her flippancy about her own mortality was was really annoying as well. Yeah. 
and it like it just seemed it seemed unrealistic right yeah and i i didn't care for that but i do want to talk about so at the oscar ceremony at the academy awards she's getting up to accept her award and portman is there and frank finds out it's portman and he's trying to he's trying to get to him but he can't portman has like this shoulder um video camera that's like resting on his shoulder that like doubles as a gun yeah and he's trying to shoot her on stage and frank like jumps in front of the bullet and i'm i thought oh he dies that's why they can't be together because i knew that the the song like they foreshadowed it earlier where she's like the song i will always love you is so depressing you know it's like right. a breakup song it's so sad and i knew that that song was very famous for this movie and so i thought oh, okay I was writing the ending. I was like, okay, so he dies because he saves her. He jumps in front of the bullet. He dies. She sings that song at his funeral. But no, he survives. Right. They just decide not to be together. So do they love each other? Because it didn't seem like it. Because they had full, they could, in fact, at the end of the movie, she had a new bodyguard who was like an old man. Right. And frank came to say goodbye to her and they just said goodbye to each other what and then he just went on working and she went on singing i have no idea why they didn't end up together unless they just didn't love each other well okay i mean so if i put myself in her shoes i would also not want to end up with that guy not after the way he treated me after we had sex i think i would have been i think i would have never been able to like put that out of my mind because I would always be like well what if we get together and you treat me like that again you know like I I would it would always put me on edge so I could see from her perspective I mean I think there's obviously like a lot of emotion involved as far as their relationship goes because he did save her life but um I I kind of like that they didn't end up having a relationship but there wasn't enough of a built up romance for me to really necessarily feel sad that their relationship ended. You know what I mean? Well, they didn't even like that. That's the annoyance of the movie is that they didn't even have a relationship. They slept together once. He treated her badly. For some reason he kept working for her. Then they kissed again. And I thought they loved like, we're getting back like, falling back into a relationship but no then they could have been together because she had a new bodyguard so it wouldn't be a conflict of interest and they just they just parted ways and i understand what you mean like from a real world perspective but from a movie universe perspective i have no idea why they didn't end up together because it's not like like in the movie roman holiday they don't end up together because she has a duty that supersedes whatever she wants in life and she just can't be with him okay but roman holiday is an excellently written romantic film and no that's what i mean like like, that's an example and then i can i just like okay i have to just say i love the ending of romance or of roman holiday because i'm getting like goosebumps talking about it because it's so like bittersweet and sad and they just say goodbye to each other and i just really love that movie (laughs) anyway but okay that's not what we're talking about i i don't know i 
there's just no reason and that's what i mean like i love the end of roman holiday as well because i want the lovers to be together but i know why they can't be right it makes right. sense to me it sucks it's heartbreaking it's bittersweet at the end of the bodyguard I've just watched over two hours of them dance around each other, and there's no reason why they're not together at the end, unless they just don't really want to be together. In which case, why did I watch two hours of their relationship? <laughs> there's no obligation or duty yeah. that keeps them from being together. There's no, there's nothing, and there's nothing discussed earlier in the movie where she's like, I'm sorry, but as a pop star, the rules are I can't date anybody. You know, there's nothing right. like that. No, I know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I like, I, I don't know. People I think spout off this movie as being very romantic, but it's really not, you know? And I have to say though, I did like when they were, um, you know, driving away on the plane on the uh, tarmac and she's like, stop the plane, stop the plane. And she runs out and they kiss. That which I thought was sweet. Oh. But <laughs> what? You didn't like it? The concept of stopping a plane really drove me bonkers. Like, it's not like <laughs> stop the taxi and running down the sidewalk. Stop the plane. I mean, it's a, it's a private plane. Like, it's, you know. <laughs> no, no, you don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it. I, I would have rather, like, if Samantha got to do a rewrite... <laughs> I would have rather had the flight attendants are just like starting to turn the handle to lock the door and she says, wait, and then right. she runs out. Yeah, that would make but the more. The plane yeah. is taxiing down the runway yeah. <laughs> and I just didn't care. Anyway, sorry. Keep wait, going. So there's, okay, so I have to tell you, I have to say something. So um, I watched an interview once with uh, Bernie Mac and this was years and years ago, obviously, because he passed away like what, seven years ago or something. And he was talking about in like old Hollywood, the kisses in the movie were very like chaste kisses. And that, like, so he's, which no one can see me doing this and this bums me out, but you can see me doing this. I'm going to show you what he does. But he was like using his hand, like this was another person. And he was going like this. He's like, yeah so basically lauren is just like she put all of her fingers together and just touched them to her lips and just moved her head around which was a perfect illustration of a chase it's perfect it's a perfect yeah. illustration and so when i was watching that scene i that's all i was thinking about i was like bernie mac <laughs> i was thinking i didn't see that interview but i was thinking the same thing where i was like what is this passionate closed mouth kiss that i'm watching <laughs> Like it, no, was it was like, like they were just like rubbing their lips together and moving very, their heads around. It was very weird. And I, I yeah. was like, especially for a movie that's rated R, like you can use a little tongue. Okay. Let's, you know, like, come on. Yeah. I, <sighs> I don't, I don't know. I don't know what I watched. That's what bothers me because they could have explained some of it away with dialogue. They could have had the two of them like in a room together being like, listen, I think in a different life we could have had something great, but that's, it's just, that's not the life we live in or something. And then at the end yeah. of the movie, they don't end up together. And I would have been like, wow, that's really sad and heartbreaking because circumstances kept them apart. But in this movie, there were no circumstances. No, you know, and I don't know. I, I agree with you that I think that this, this movie could have been done in a way that 
I, I really, okay, so I just, I can't get over the part where after they sleep together, he acts so weird towards her. Like, I can't get past that. Yeah. And to me, that is like, that kills any sort of relationship. You know, it's, if it had been one thing, if he was like, um, this is going to make things really complicated. Maybe we should pretend like we're not seeing each other. Um, I like you, but I like, we need to take like me, maybe move too fast. So let's take things a little bit slower and see where things go. Um, or, you know, uh, I don't know, but I, I think that I don't, to me, if I was going to do Lauren's rewrite, <laughs> what yes, I would have done, it. okay, what I would have done is, again, he would have been hired as her bodyguard, and then what would have happened is their relationship would have been this slow, blooming, romantic relationship where it's like, um, you know, like you're seeing these two people who are, who are like starting to kind of be like, wow, I kind of like you. Like I'm, you know, I'm feeling you like we're, 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 you know, I woke up I, one of my favorite, like, and I know this is kind of tropey, but one of my favorite tropes is, um, I couldn't sleep and you couldn't sleep either. So now we're awake and we're in the kitchen and we're just chatting and like yeah. having this nice conversation. I love that. And I, I like I that too. Loved because a scene like that. It's you know? like, it's, it's very intimate and raw. Yeah. Without yeah. having to like, it's intimate and raw because they're like getting to know each other on like a human level when you're like in the middle of the night in the kitchen. I like, I agree with you. I, yeah. I like that as well. I, it's, um, I think something like that, what I, you know, again, I would have done, I would have probably not had them sleep together. And if I did, it would have been very much implied. Like, you know, um, um, the scene in Wonder Woman when Steve and uh, Diana sleep together. Oh, the fade to black. <laughs> yeah, that perfect, perfect. I love yeah. that subtlety. It's. Um, I have to say though, so just you can just cut this out, but I want to tell you this: in the new one, they and it's. I mean, you're gonna see, and it's such a garbage movie anyway. But there's a scene where they are sleeping in the same bed, obviously, and and she wakes up and he's eating pop tarts. <laughs> he's like. <laughs> And it's like by far, like I didn't really watch the rest of the movie after a while because I kind of was like, this is really bad. But um, he's like eating Pop-Tarts and she, and it's the cutest fucking scene. Like she wakes up and she sees him and he like wraps her close in his arms and it's so sweet and adorable. And I was like, Chris Pine and Gal Gadot. That sounds really that sounds really, really sweet. cute, but he's yeah. like, he's like eating Pop-Tarts and he starts laughing because he's like, oh, you caught me eating Pop-Tarts. <laughs> it's really cute. But like, you know, okay. anyway, something, I would have just had a slow burning romance. So at the end, when all this stuff accumulates, where I would have not had Portman be added, I would have not had her sister look for someone to kill her because I think that was weird. I would have had a stalker. I would have not cast Dana Carvey, like the poor man's Dana Carvey, um, <laughs> with a Farrah Fawcett wig. Um, I, you know, I think a lot, okay, so like I'm kind of going to go off here, but I think a lot about Seven, the movie Seven, when I see movies like this. Because um, as one does, yeah, (laughs) you've seen seven, right? Yes. Okay. So Kevin Spacey in seven is an excellent, creepy character, you Mm -hmm. know, for sure. And if they had someone like that, not, I mean, not necessarily, obviously to that level that he did because I was insane, but (laughs) 
something like that her sister's head in a box (laughs) yeah 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 what if it was just what if seven just got remade but as the bodyguard and so it was just like the two movies meshed together (laughs) what even how would that even work so would it be still like the same cast would it be morgan freeman and kevin costner and brad pitt and gwen i was just thinking of like like kevin spacey okay doing the seven deadly sin murders against members of Rachel's entourage and family. And then at the end, Rachel gets to utter the famous what's in the box line. (laughs) And it's Kevin Cosner's head. (laughs) I guess I'll throw away this script that I was starting to write. (laughs) Oh, darn. You could call it the seven bodyguards. (laughs) (laughs) I just call it bodyguard. But yeah, there you go. Yeah, the se- the, yeah. Um, the, you know, you still keep saying the seven. I keep saying the seven. I'm just kidding. No. Um. um anyway. Yeah. I, so that's what I would have done. No, yeah. I actually have been thinking that very same thing. That I think the movie could have been really romantic if it was like a will they, won't they? Yeah. And for most of the movie, they don't. And then maybe she runs and kisses him at the end and that's their first physical contact is that kiss and then have the movie fade to credits you know and then we can write our own adventure like do they end up together do they not we just saw them kiss you know something maybe more along those lines but yeah i so i agree with you i actually i i think your idea is really good yeah oh i wanted to say i did write this down and i think this was kind of essential just to like the day-to-day life um is frank goes to his friends to ask them for help with the the letters and one of his friends says how politics and showbiz go hand in hand and i said that couldn't be any more accurate even 30 years later and yeah it it made me feel like i had a pit in my stomach like i wanted to throw up i was like oh my god (laughs) i was like with everything that has happened the last you know few years i'm just like it just made me feel like disgusted like i just felt like awful i was like oh no not okay yeah i actually one of the one of his friends in the like secret service was the uncle from home alone uncle frank (laughs) Yeah. And every time Kevin Costner called him, this guy would go, great money though, right? Great money. Like he was super jealous of the money that Kevin Costner's character was making. And I thought that that was an attempt at comedy in a movie that otherwise didn't really have it, but it still like amused me as a character trait. So it wasn't terrible, but it did also feel like it was kind of out of place. You know what was out of place? And speaking of out of place things, the guy that was presenting, I think his name was Robert at the Oscars. I wanted to punch that sexist dude in the face. I was like, like this woman wins an award and he's like, he's like talking about her body and yeah. like no one's laughing. And she I must've like, been the boom operator. Yeah, I was like, yeah. well, I was like, first of all, like this woman spent all this time doing this work and she just won an Oscar because she was uh, recognized for how talented she is and you're going to talk about her body. I was like, no. And I like, I was like, find me a steak. We're going to burn this guy at it. <laughs> like I was so, I was so pissed. I was like, I was just disgusted. Like, I was like, why, first of all, like I, I 
totally know that shit happens, but it wasn't necessary to the plot. And it made me feel deeply, deeply uncomfortable that he was saying that stuff, which I think was kind of the point because no one in the audience laughed. So he clearly wasn't funny. Yeah, I think it was like there's like the interesting thing about the movie is like had like a parallel universe effect where they had like their own Academy Awards and their own movies and nominees. And I think he was supposed to be like slightly satirical about like hosts like Billy Crystal and think yeah. people who have hosted the Oscars a lot of times and make off color jokes. Cause I agree with you. Like it was, it was a weird joke to make. Yeah. Like, no. And it's funny that you said Billy Crystal. Cause that was the first person I thought too, even though as far as I know, I don't think Billy Crystal's made sexist, gross comments. You know, I don't yeah. really watch the Oscars, so I don't know. But I mean, I like the Oscars, but the last time, I mean, I can't remember Oscar presentations from the 90s, but I do know that the 90s were a lot more liberal in terms of sexist humor. Like yeah. I've seen, we see glimpses of that all the time when you watch things from that time period. Yeah. Something funny happened this week is Mike and I watched a movie called For Your Consideration, and it's a Christopher Guest movie, and it's not an outstanding film in any way, but I kind of liked it because it it, it was like a satirical look at Hollywood, and it had a very similar aspect to where they had their own actors and their own, enter- like, an entertainment tonight and a tonight show, but it was all just like this parallel universe creation yeah. And I and at, after the movie was done, I said to Mike that I really liked that. And then I watched The Bodyguard one night later, and they, in a totally different like tone, they right. had the same thing. And I I kind of like that. I like when a movie creates a universe that I have to walk into. You know, yeah, like I like too. in Inglorious Bastards when they're like, he's a real Friedrich Zoller. Like they create their own jokes because in the universe that name would be recognized. And I kind of think that that's fun. And I like that almost more than if they had used real actors yeah you know i agree i agree even though in the movie knocked up steve carell played himself and i really liked that scene where katherine heigl had to say like she she called him like an ass or something and seth rogan was like you called steve carell an ass nobody does that or I, i'm misquoting it because it's been a while since i've seen it but i that one tiny example where they use like a real life guy but otherwise let me like climb into your universe and see like this what your oscars look like you know right right so i think yeah. that's funny like in general i like it too i think it's but fun. i agree to get back to your point, I agree that off-color joke was really weird, and I think like a sad sign of the times that the movie was made. Yep, I agree totally. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad that they didn't have the audience laugh, but I was still like, that this is like, I, I mean, if I if I was that uh, person, if I was that woman, I would have been so uncomfortable, you know, like in, so incredibly uncomfortable because it's like, it's like my talents aren't even being recognized. You're just looking at my body and that's yeah. disgusting. And it just, it was so appalling. And so it, it just, it really, really threw me off. And I know it's not a big part of the movie, but it bothered me a lot. You know, it was I like, agree. Yeah. yeah, no, I it get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, oh, I did write down that I knew that Nikki was going to hit on Frank. <laughs> and when she did, I was like, I was like, eh! <laughs> I was like cringing the whole time but well I think that that coming right before we learned that she like put a hit out on her sister made it like almost pointless yeah 
it was weird. Yeah. It was very weird. Yeah. Right. Anyway, would you recommend this movie? I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> would you? <laughs> what? I don't know. What? <laughs> this was just my response going, okay. <laughs> would you recommend it? Um, yes, I would. I think it's fun. I think I, I liked, I like the movie. Um, I, I don't disagree with you that there's a lot of problems, but overall I enjoyed it. I had, I enjoyed the movie. It, it kept me interested the entire time. Um, I did actually recommend it to some people after I watched it. So I would say, yes, that's probably a pretty solid. Yes. And also, oh, young Kevin Costner is like, oh my gosh. <laughs> girl. <laughs> I think that you could probably listen to the soundtrack because Whitney Houston is so talented. Yeah. And she's such so, a powerhouse. Honestly, if you're going to yeah. watch it, you should watch it for Whitney. She's yeah. That's, that's the main reason to watch it is just because yeah. she's so talented as a singer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she's great. She's and it's, it's like kind of heartbreaking to see her at the prime of life and to know what happened to her you know it's pretty sad so i I like that there's like a time capsule where she's really in it you know anyway you can follow us on instagram you could follow us on facebook at watchers of movies both are watchers of movies if you have anything you want to say to us about this movie maybe you want to you know tell us that we're terribly wrong or something you can email us at watchers of movies at gmail.com uh, we also have a website that's watchersofmovies.weebly.com. And we have another Instagram called the Watchers Who Find Things. And we just post, I basically post like, you know, funny little movie things that I find. I don't post it often, but when I do, they're they're cute. They're funny, whatever. If you want to laugh. Um, and thank you. Uh, oh, yeah. We are on Stitcher, Spotify. <laughs> we're on Google Play. We're on iTunes. We are on... Are we on fire? We're on fire. Are we on another thing? Did I get them all? Google Play, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play. Yeah, there we go. (laughs) There we go. I was missing. And in your grocer's freezer. Yes, (laughs) we're right next to the ice cream Mm because we are sweet as hell. (laughs) Thank you so much to Mike for our theme music. Yes. Find him on Twitter at the Mike Show forty two. His name is Mike Myers. Mm-hmm. And if you would like us to review a movie, there are two ways you can go about doing that. Number one, head over to iTunes, give us five stars, write a review, put the movie title you want us to t- to cover in that review. You don't have to write if you're not a wordsmith. You don't have to write something really long. You can just put the title in, or If you are a wordsmith, you can write something really long, but we will shoot that up to the top and that will take priority. If you don't have access to iTunes or you just don't want to do that, you can always send it to us through any of the means that Lauren mentioned and we will add it to the list, but it won't take priority like a five-star review request will. So any movie you can think of, shoot us a message in some way and we will review it. All right. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye.